This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Loud and Local with Kevin Deers on The Rock. 99.9 KISW. It's Loud and Local, the stay-home sessions here, and I'm talking with Aaron Rev-Peters, a.k.a. Rev, he is the man behind the drowns, also success, uh, play success and the drowns here on Loud and Local. Uh, he's over, I believe, are you in Georgetown? I'm in South Park, so just behind Georgetown. So we are uh, in the same city, but obviously m- hundreds of miles away in the, in the idea of social isolation. So uh, f- <laughs> first off, how are you doing, man? How are you holding up and uh, are you working from home or are you, how are you managing to stay busy? I'm doing all right, man. Um, My wife is a nurse, so she works nonstop. She's out in the field. Yeah. And uh, so I'm just kind of holding down the fort, working on uh, some music. And, uh, you know, I I was watching a couple of your episodes of this, uh, of you doing a podcast from your house. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there was another guy talking about, a guy from New York talking about how uh, he was just trying to focus on things he's wanted to get better at. So I'm trying to do the exact same thing. I think that's kind of the way to make it through all this, honestly. Yeah, that's something, man. Is like I totally understand wanting to kind of veg out for a while and and um, you know uh, veg out and just watch some TV shows if you're bummed out or or if you just you know who who cares? No pressure, right? We shouldn't put pressure on anyone. But at the same time, and this understand this is coming from an, uh, a privilege of or at least not having uh, family to take care of. So if you're if you're yeah. on your own and you're at home or you don't have any kids that are relying on you to take care of them. Now's the time to, you know, do the thing you've always wanted to do, because when's the next time we're going to be stuck at home for a while? Who knows? You know, it could be and it, my, my mom's never had this much time to herself <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, she's exactly. in her 60s, you know, so who knows, man? Uh, so I, idle hands, you know, like <laughs> I got to keep myself busy to like keep focused on anything or I will just end up doing nothing. So, yeah, it's more like a way to self-motivate to just kind of. Almost pretend like it's not happening. You know what I mean? This is yeah, exactly. And this is uh, I know that you're someone who who stays very busy. You, you tour a lot with your bands. Uh, you do acoustic stuff. You're in a couple bands. You do. Uh, you, you're a bartender as well. Um, and and you, you know you're always busy. So um, it it you kind of have to keep some sort of normalcy. Is there anything like any kind of like a rituals that you've uh, gotten locked into that that are like a part of your daily thing now? Um, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to live on, on top of a coffee shop. Oh, okay. As, as Seattle musician, as that is, uh, <laughs> I, I live, I have an apartment on top of a coffee shop, so I just grab coffee from them and start my morning out by like, literally first thing I try to write something like whether it's lyrics or a melody or something Yeah. just to like start my day that way. Because if not, if I pick up a controller, I'll play Skyrim until my wife come home, comes home from work. Yeah. I have to, like, make sure that I start my day doing something, like, productive. Uh, yeah, I mean, because she, she's out there being ultra-productive, and, and uh, God bless her, because, you know, those are the real uh, people that are just, like, continuing to hold down everything. And, and so... Uh, I guess you kind of got to be the uh, stay-at-home uh, support system, like make the food for her, you know, and and uh, <laughs> take care of the apartment, right? I think I'm doing a pretty good job, yeah. Awesome. Take care of the dog and the cat and, like, you know, keep it relatively clean. Well, that's one thing is 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 this is certainly uh, dogs and cats, like, best life right now. They are certainly, like, getting all the pets and walks that they've ever wanted. Oh, yeah, my dog is <laughs> But the cats, I don't know. The cats, I think, uh, my girlfriend's cat 
kind of gives a side gives her a side eye. I think that he's ready for her to go to work and like have his own time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, sure. you're so you're writing some stuff. Are you working on some solo material or stuff for drowns, or are you just kind of just tinking her in around, see what you come up with? Um, a little bit of everything. Uh, the drowns. I mean, that's probably the hardest part about this whole situation is that uh, when we started the drowns two years ago it was almost a militant focus on working hard. Like yeah. I think in one respect, it would probably scare the most musicians diving into a band like that. Cause we right out of the gate, we're like, if we stop moving, we're going to quit. Like the, the whole focus of this band is to keep pushing forward. So we ended up, I mean, in that respect that like we made so much progress in two years because of that mentality that it is a little tough to slow down right now. You know, like we're, we're being forced to obviously like, yeah. we, we just had a tour cancel that we're supposed to go on with booze and glory. Um, to like punk rock bowl laying it out around the, uh, the, like the U S and Canada. Mm-hmm. And we had to cancel that, which is a huge bummer, but also like, I'm just trying to keep productive and keep writing, whether it's for the drowns or whatever, just to keep that same mentality of like, you know, the working class, like push, push, push because I can you guys just released an album i mean if if anything uh this could be this should under normal circumstances kind of be the first like run of like the album cycle right and the album's under tension uh you release it. is it self-released or is it on a label i'm, I'm not seeing uh, it's on pirates press records out oh. of uh out of uh the bay area awesome is that uh does pirates press the label have anything to do with pirates press the print pr- uh pressing plant Yep, same folks. Oh, awesome. Uh, so, yeah, you guys just released Under Tension. And, uh, dude, um, how, how long were you guys working on that, that record uh, specifically? So we went down, actually, uh, man, a year ago now. La- not this last February, but the February before. Mm-hmm. We flew to L.A., and we uh, we recorded with Ted Hutt, who's a producer who's worked on, like, a tons of, like, great albums for the Dropkick Murphys and Flogging Molly, Gaslight Anthem, like all these big bands. Um, and we worked with, we just recorded with that guy for a few weeks. And then it took a year to have that record come out as far as like, I don't know, making sure everything was perfect. So okay, we sat on it, sat on it for a year. Was that, uh, was that, uh, when, when it finally was released, were you like, man, I'm tired of these songs. I'm ready for the next one. These are a year old. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny, man, as you'd think so, but it was just enough time that I started missing him again. Okay, uh, nice. Yeah, so it worked out. <laughs> right on, man. Well, uh, so you've, uh, the band that you you are, are uh, well-known here in the area before the Drowns was success, and you guys are kind of on a little bit of a hiatus right now. Um, you're focusing on the Drowns and stuff. Uh, what made you uh, take that kind of uh, pivot? So we, uh, success, we had been, I mean, we're still, if you count this year, we've been a band for 15 years. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, which is crazy. Uh, it's uh, almost half my life. Uh, but we, uh, two of the guys have like real jobs mm-hmm. in the band and, uh, the two guys that started the band with, and they have kids now, multiple kids and like house payments. And I mean, you know, just as well as anybody, like it's so hard to tour when you have that kind of responsibility. Yeah. It can be done and it, it can happen, but somebody's missing out, you know, like somebody's, I, I like to say at the bar, somebody's getting bad service all the time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're focused on someone, someone else is waiting on something like that kind of idea. So the two guys wanted to focus on that part of their life. And I was a hundred percent supportive of that, obviously. Yeah. Um, Cause they're my dudes. I mean, I, I went to high school with those guys. Yeah. And, uh, so they started focusing on that, and me and Andy from Success were like, well, we're going to do another band. We started writing some material, and uh, we called Jake, our buddy who used to play in uh, the Briggs and Time Again yeah, and uh, uh, Shell Corporation. And so we started working with Jake, and then a little while into that, I had to talk to the guy's Success and be like, hey, this is going really good. <laughs> like, i yeah. got to see this through, and they were fully supportive of us doing that. So. 
I mean, you've made a ton of connections through your touring, and I mean, I I seen you guys uh, played with like Seven Seconds and like some of these people that you know are, are like probably growing up, probably heroes of yours. What's that like? Uh, kind of going coming up through the like you know basement and DIY scenes and and the real like uh, you know the underground, and then seeing yourself you know playing punk rock bowling and 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 playing with Seven Seconds or you know meeting guys from No Effects and and stuff like that, and then just being. They, you know, you're, they're like your coworkers. They're your contemporaries. What's that like for <laughs> you, know, you, man? It's kind of crazy. Like that's, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, that that's something I always wanted was to kind of be seen as a peer with all these people that I looked up to. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously a great feeling, but it is kind of crazy that I don't think I wrote my best material and I don't think I put my best foot forward until I came to terms with the fact that I don't want this to be my, like, I like fame wasn't a thing, I guess. Like the minute yeah. that I came to the conclusion that I'm not going to f- music to make money and I'm not going to write music to get fandom, but I am going to write music that I love and that I care about and yeah. that I believe in. Mm-hmm. And once I kind of made that deal with myself is when all the other stuff started happening. So it's a weird, like uh juxtaposition because it's, it's totally cool. And I feel so grateful to like have these great opportunities. And it really is amazing to have, someone you've looked up to, you know, admire what you do and, and be a comrade in a sense, but also like, you got to stay humble and you mm-hmm. got to like, you got to remember why you're there. I'm, I'm not there to buy a house and yeah. I'm not there to, you know, I still have that basement mentality and I still have that, like the same inspiration when I heard the first clash record Yeah, is the same inspiration that I'm using to write and be on stage now. You know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean, and 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 I like the the way you kind of broke it down there. But let's go. Uh, let's take a look at that moment. Like, was there a t- an actual like time that you can recall where like that became very apparent to you? Like, yo, like I I gotta just be honest with this and like humble with it. Was there was there an actual moment where you you were like maybe I won't you know make a you know a sh- money, but I still love doing. It. Was there an actual moment you can recall? You know, there, there are small ones every now and then, you know, like where you're like, oh, you know, well, like, I'm glad, you know, when someone says something like your song changed my life, mm-hmm. that alone should make you stop and go, that's why I should do this, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but honestly, you brought up seven seconds. And when we went on tour with them, I don't want to blow their cover, but they're not making millions of dollars. Yeah. You know, they're like, they're doing okay. They're fine when they tour. Um, but being on tour with those guys and having them have done it for so long. I mean, their first record came out four years before I was born. Yeah. So to have them keep doing it for so long and not get these accolades that everyone else thinks you should get or do get as a musician. Exactly. And then still doing it every single night with passion mm-hmm. and heart and doing it because they believe in it. That alone made me go like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm on the right path. That's well, what I want. That's the thing, man, is, is, uh, you gotta re, yeah, like, they're still doing it for the, that love. And, and you know what? If those icons aren't making tons of money, you probably won't either. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I do have to, I do, you know, and I'm not trying to, like, toot your horn too much, but I do have to say, before this, about two hours ago, I was on a conversation with a guy named Ian Shelton, who grew up in Enumclaw. He plays in a hardcore <laughs> band called Regional Justice Center. And I asked him his first punk experience, and he said, Said, watching Pistol for a Paycheck, which was your first band, and he said that yeah. like, you were his first like band that he would go and watch, and, and he was in love with you guys. So I do got to say, you, you did make an impact on that kid's life, and and he's doing cool stuff now too. So yeah, you know, Ian, I'm, I'm I, I mean, I, I almost said I'm proud of that guy, but I had nothing to do with it, you know, necessarily. Yeah. But it's incredible what he's done, and he's such he's turned out to be such a great guy. Uh, he actually, it's funny that he said that because he taught me a lesson once. Um, I success played, uh, man, I'm trying to remember. It, it was a, a small lived venue in Tacoma called like the red house or the red room. Oh, the red room. Yeah, I know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we played there with one of his bands. I think it may have been bully. Yep. Um, but he, you know, he was younger than me. So I always had this view. We're from a, a relatively small town. Yeah. And I always had this view of him as being like that younger generation. He was into some of the bands that I didn't understand or whatever. And, I, you know, uh, kind of, I don't want to say blew him off, but he wasn't on the forefront of my vision. And then we played that show together and he went on stage and they were playing and they were great. But also he said something that day. He, uh, he had a song about, uh, 
not it was like the focus was not having to be a smart ass to get your point across. And if you're always one of those people who's sarcastic, how do you take anything in your life seriously? Huh. And I remember standing there and being like, damn, this kid is teaching me a lesson right now. He's like, right? he's talking to me right now. He's speaking the truth. <laughs> and I still think about that all the time. So shout out to Ian. I miss you, buddy. But uh, I still think about that all the time. I'm like, damn, that's that's a great lesson that this kid was teaching me at this hardcore show. <laughs> right? Damn, dude. Uh, well, uh, speaking of hardcore reality, straight to for, straight from the streets of Enumclaw, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I guess that's a good pivot of uh, of just asking you specifically, and and uh, you know we can, we can go take this in any uh, direction, man. I'm not. Uh, I have no restriction as far as time goes. I, I don't want to keep you all day, but I am curious. What was the first album that you personally ever purchased on your own that uh, that made an impact on you? Um, the oh man, that I ever purchased on my own. Yeah, with your own money. Yeah, well, the first album I ever purchased was uh, Pocket Full of Kryptonite by the Spin Doctors. Okay. But that, that That's didn't good snare. necessarily impact my life at all. It's <laughs> a good snare on that Two Princes song, man. Oh, it's so good. Uh, you know, Success covered that as a secret track on a 10-inch. Oh, my God. I got to look that yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, I would I would honestly say probably Rocket to Russia or uh, when, when I was... Your metal fans aren't gonna like this. But Uh-oh. when I was when I was uh, twelve years old, I was listening to Metallica's Black album. That's a good album. Dad, it is a great album. My dad didn't like it at all. Okay. And he took it away from me, and we got in a huge fight. And um, we didn't talk for like two days. And then my dad showed up with Green Day's Dookie. Oh, okay. And he was like, "Here, these kids are young and angry. You'll probably like this." And that was like my dad trying to like put a bandaid over our bad situation. Yeah. And. From that record, uh, because I looked at like the tattoos and the T-shirts of like what Green Day was wearing, mm-hmm. I went out and bought "Boogada Boogada Boogada" by Screeching Weasel. Nice, and um, that's why I went and bought my first Ramones record was because of seeing that uh, like the album art and looking up Green Day online. Yeah, I, mean, I was like twelve, thirteen years old at that time. And, and that's kind of how we used to do it, right? We used to like look at the liner notes and look at the t-shirts and look at, I mean, honestly, like say what you want about Phil Anselmo from Pantera. I'm not, you know, trying to advocate for his political beliefs, but every, yeah. t- <laughs> every t-shirt he would wear was pretty extreme metal. Like I, I heard about Venom and I hear about like Dark Throne through Phil from Pantera. So, uh, I remember, I remember, uh, my sister when we were really little, we were living mm-hmm. in Virginia for a little while and, um, my sister had a like gymnastics recital kind of thing. Okay. And there was a guy in a deicide t-shirt. Oh. And I will never forget that t-shirt. It was like Jesus being like flayed open. And like, I was like eight, holy. nine. And I remember being like, holy. And now that I look at that later, I'm like, wow, that's the kind of t-shirt you need if you're going to do extreme metal because that kid will never forget that, you know? Oh, absolutely. How about the cradle of filth? Jesus is a... It's like a classic. Well, okay, so I I have a question that's uh, specific to you because I know that like you're covered in tattoos. You have a ton of tattoos, uh, and uh, do you have any band tattoos specifically, like for bands that you love? And and if so, what do you have? I do have uh, I have a seven seconds tattoo. Awesome. Uh, And I got that. uh, We went on success. Did two tours with them. Uh, We were fortunate enough to be able to go on a second tour with them. Uh, I got that, I believe, right before the second tour. Um, I also, I have black swag bars as mm-hmm. stereotypical as that is, but I mean, I still absolutely love that band. Yeah. Um, just like you were saying about Solon Selmo, I don't advocate for anyone's politics in that band, yeah. but, uh, you know, I won't say any nice things about Greg Ginn, but I still love their music. Um, and I actually, I have a Slayer tattoo, which most people don't know. Okay. What do you got? Is it like just the, uh, the pentagram or? No, I actually, when I was, uh, I think it was 19. I got Kerry King's signature tattooed. Oh, like wow. you do. Dude, where is that on your body? That's on my kneecap. Okay, nice, dude. Uh, <laughs> what's, uh, what's, do you have any tattoos that are cringeworthy and that you would, oh. You... oh, yeah, of course I do. What's, I have your, tons. what's your most cringeworthy tattoos? Um, I think a really good one is I have uh, Biodome, the, just the words Biodome tattooed <laughs> on my wrist. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I have, uh, Actually, so at the Seattle Tattoo Convention in like 2007, uh-huh. I uh, I won for Seattle's worst tattoo. Oh my god! And I have a, a ballerina pickle 
that my friend David did uh, on my on my other knee, uh, not to carry cane knee. And, yeah, uh, it's got it, it, it's. We said it was a ballerina pickle, but we only it's like black outline, and then it has the tutu, and the tutu is the only thing colored, so it's not green. It's just a black outline, so it kind of looks like a turd in a skirt. Wow. A turn in the yeah, skirt. I'll send you a picture of it after this is over. It's pretty bad. Uh, so is it is it like a well done bad tattoo or is it just bad bad? Oh God, no! It's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like like third graders would do way better. Oh okay okay. Uh, did you ever have since you're so you know around the tattoo world and you just mentioned the tattoo convention and stuff? Was there ever a time where you were like, I, I want to get into that? Are you? Um, I was actually so I was a body piercer for a little while. Oh okay yeah yeah. I, uh, I was a body piercer for a little while. I worked at Art Core Studios in Seattle for a bit. Yeah. Uh, and then it, just the money wasn't there for mm-hmm. me. Like at that time too, I mean, you know, Seattle, Georgetown, there was like no one there. Mm-hmm. It's not what it is today when in like 2005 or six, there was nobody there and it was kind of like the hood. It was kind of, yeah, super sketchy. And there was like, that's where all the, like, there was a bunch of prostitutes and drugs everywhere. And, um, so I was working at that tattoo shop. And I just wasn't making any money, so I actually got a job at Microsoft. Oh wow! Okay. After that, and like went and did that because of the paycheck. And but now uh, your day gig—well, not right now—but yeah, uh, you're a bartender, right? Why don't you shout out the bar that you work at? I work in Seattle Tavern, which is a—it's a pool hall in Georgetown. Uh, it's owned by a great guy named Scott, another great guy named Hank, who are just old friends. And honestly, that job has really helped me in my musical career because those dudes they know what i do and they know i have to go on tour and mm-hmm. they always help me out and they always make sure i have work when i come home so that's awesome thanks to, to scott and hank they're the best uh but yeah the bar is super cool it's cool hall. how do you uh was this the first time you were a bartender no i used to work at the highline i worked at a lot of music venues oh, okay. so i worked cool. at the highline i worked at uh el corazon for on and off for like eight years Okay. And Squid and Ink? Did you work at Squid and Ink? Uh, no, I didn't, but I sure went there a whole that lot. That place is badass. Squid and Ink, Man, it was uh, so much fun. if you're listening, Squid and Ink is, was, uh, I believe that was run by Dylan, right, from the Highline? Uh, Dylan, so Dylan actually just worked there, but Jared oh, okay. ran the place, and then they opened Highline together. Nice. Um so, yeah, in, in case you're tuning in uh, right now, I don't know why you would be tuning into a podcast midway. That's more of a segue on the actual radio. Uh, nobody tunes into this to the podcast uh, midway. But, hey, anyways, uh, <laughs> it's Rev from the Drowns. Um, so, yeah, uh, g- going back to the Drowns, um, uh, this is a hard one. And, and it's something that I've asked, uh, but there, the, the honest truth is that there's no, like, a deadline here and that we don't know what's going on with the world and everything changes, you know, almost daily and hourly. But yeah. let's, let's say, um, you know, fall things start to get back to normal, maybe end of summer or something. Who knows? What, uh, what, what would you like to get accomplished with the drowns and, or even, you know, success or your solo stuff? What music wise would you like to, to accomplish at least in this crazy year of 2020? <laughs> so I'm just, we're, we're just going to keep pushing the drowns. Um, we got like, like you said earlier, we got a tour on this record we just put out that um, is doing really well. It's gotten incredible reviews and yeah. it's done better already sales wise than we could have ever thought it would. And we're super excited about it and we're proud of it. And it's, uh, I don't want to say it's politically fueled because I just kind of write what's around me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's, it's gotten eerily poignant to our current situation. Um, so, I can only imagine that it's going to get a little bit more traction when the elections are going on. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm just going to try to stay focused on writing towards the drowns. We're going to work on some new material. We're going to go back to L.A. and uh, record with uh, Ted Hutt some more and cool. try to just get as much as we can. And we still have, fingers crossed, we still have a European tour with a bunch of festivals with, like, Circle Jerks and, uh, wow. like, Cox Bar and and stuff. And we're... Hopefully that'll still happen. That's in the, I think, end of July and most of August. So fingers crossed that that'll still happen. And then we've got a tour in October that is still on the books. Mm -hmm. Fingers crossed. Uh, Which is going down to, uh, uh, it's like all through Canada and going down to Oakland to play a crash festival, which is like an oi and street punk festival down there. 
All right, right on, man. Well, we're going to go into a couple songs, and uh, we're going to, yeah, we're going to go into a couple songs from your album. Uh, we're going to play Black Lung and Them Rats. Uh, the album is available now, and uh, you can purchase it under Bandcamp. It's uh, thedrowns.bandcamp.com. The album is called Under Tension, and uh, you can pick it up. We're going to play a couple songs, and then we'll be back with a few more from Rev. <laughs>
hunger each and every day It's not a surprise at all Take together my fear when we look outside Landscape of hate right before our eyes Don't break bread, stand up and organize Let's make our move tonight With the Rev from the Drowns. And wait, when I say the Rev, it's like you're the guy from Avenged Sevenfold. You're not the Rev. You're Rev. Total difference, uh, I'm, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Yeah, I'm not that dude. That dude's not with us anymore. Unfortunately. R.I.P. So, anyways, uh, pivot from that one. Uh, <laughs> we've, got, <laughs> we've got Rev from the Drowns. And uh, we're hanging out here in isolation uh, via, via phone, uh, doing this thing, uh, loud and local, stay home sessions. And uh, stay home, stay safe, stay connected, listen to our podcast, enjoy it, binge it, and uh, listen to some, some local rock, local music. Um, i got a couple questions as far as music goes for you. And... Um, one of them I like to, to ask because um, there's a lot of negativity out there in the world right now. And, um, you know, if, if, you know, you stay, obviously we want to stay connected and stay knowledgeable about what's going on. But there can be a negativity, like feedback loop of just, you know, being caught in the negativity of uh, only seeing that. And it, it can be overwhelming. If you're ever feeling overwhelmed, anxious, stressed out, you're having a, is there, an, is there any albums that you uh, personally can put on that will just get you in a good mood? Uh, yeah, uh, when twenty summers passed, the shelter record. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a that's a big one for me. I mean, there's tons of positivity on that record, and uh, also there's a bunch of like there's a song about touring on there, and that's kind of my happy place, you know, is being on the road. So mm-hmm. anything that makes me think of uh, kind of being out there and and playing music with my buddies, that's a good go to for me. Um, Trying to think if there's anything else that I I'm a, I'm a big ska and reggae guy. Okay, yeah. So like a lot of like uh, uh, English beat. I think I probably gravitate towards when I'm not in a good mood. Um, so funny story. You were talking about uh, moments when I kind of realized that I'm doing well and I'm like you know kind of achieving what I wanted to. Yeah. We played we played a festival called Back to the Beach last year that was like twenty thousand people in Huntington Beach with, like, Blank-182 and Real Big Fish and Goldfinger and all these, like, big bands. Yeah, that's awesome. And we, it was it was incredible. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, it's kind of cool, too. They, they actually faced the stage towards the ocean. Oh, so that's so cool. My view was, like, a sea of people and then the actual sea, which was crazy. Um, but so we're, we play this festival to 20,000 people, and it's incredible, and we were really well-received and then I walk off stage and Dave Wakeland from the English beat is right there. Cause they were going next. Yeah. And he was just like, Hey man, that was great. And I was like, Oh, thanks dude. And then I went back in my trailer and was just like, Oh my God. <laughs> so cool. Try not to mark out too hard in front of him, but like you still like, Oh my God. What? Oh, I kept the game face on for yeah. sure. <laughs> that's awesome, man, dude. That's, that's a good moment. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, if you get bummed out, you can just think back to that moment, right? That's that's a good yeah, time. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a good amount of those to kind of stockpile. Like, you know, I, I feel lucky. I uh, so far so good as far as like things I'm trying to achieve. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And and uh, so uh, today was well, your uh, today is Seattle uh, Rock Day on KISW. This is probably not going to be posted on the ninth, but uh, you know a lot of it uh, is centered around uh, helping Seattle musicians get uh, access to uh, sustainable healthcare through a company called Smash. Uh, so that is uh, the big uh, you know kind of to do for uh, Seattle Rock Day. But on the on the subject of Seattle Rock and, and Northwest music, um, you know what are uh, a few local and Northwest bands, um, and it doesn't have to be huge ones. It doesn't have to be bands even that are still around. Uh, what are some, uh, some Northwest bands that have made an impact to you? Um, I mean, I, I can't not say the hollow points. Yeah. The hollow points. They were, 
a huge inspiration to me when I was younger, but also they became my friends and kind of uh, Benny specifically uh, kind of pointed me in a direction. And they were the first band that I saw come from where we were and go do some awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely a big one for me. Um, I still listen to those records and I still love the hollow points and I try to preach the good word and like tell people about their albums. um, I mean, currently there's tons of great bands in Seattle still like, doing their thing i mean you you've talked to most of them uh, <laughs> yeah, uh burn 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 and yep. kids on fire are mm-hmm. incredible yep um, i was a big instant winner fan when i was younger yeah shout out to neil yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i was so young i was in high school and some of the biggest shows i had played in my early years were, I, I had a ska band called mm-hmm. rocket in my pocket yeah when i was in high school <laughs> and uh we were just a goofy, like, you know, what exactly what you'd expect from a high school ska band. Um, but some of our bigger shows we got to play was, were with Instant Winter, which was great. All right, I'm going to throw in a name for you and tell me what this name brings, uh, what memories this name brings. And it's in an obscure band from your neck of the woods, Ruckus. Oh, dude, I was a huge fan. Yes. I'm still friends with, I'm still friends with uh, Andrew and Jake. Okay, yeah, dude. Yeah, that punk rock uh, yeah, for hire EP, Monsters Do Exist. Ruckus was badass. Uh, Monsters Do Exist was such a great album. I, I still like. Uh, I can still remember the songs. I haven't listened to that album in probably fifteen years. But like, uh, faster the children growing old. Like, yeah. I, I still. I, I should can still remember those songs. I should Google Drive you that that album, send you it to you can jam out to it. Maybe Oh I would I would Dude. Just wanted to bring up Ruckus. <laughs> Buckley Boys, uh I know from your hometown, so uh, yeah. a couple more questions. One specifically I want to know from you because I know uh music plays such a huge, huge, huge part of your life. What are four albums and I'm putting you on the spot, I didn't ask you this before. Four albums oh, no. four albums that uh kind of shaped who you are or made an impact, a positive impact on you, four albums? I mean, well, obviously the first Clash record. Yeah. I mean, that was, that one changed my life forever. I'll never not, I'll, like, it'll always be with me. And that's and, uh, self-titled by Clash? Yeah. Yeah. And it's still like, I don't know, it still resonates in my life every day. Like, you know, I, I can write a song and I can, it, it's my song, obviously, and I wrote it, but I can still hear, you know, little bits of, of Joe Strummer in yeah. that, you know, like just because it was so big for me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That, I remember the first time, like the first show I ever saw was the Temptations, and I was oh, like, "Wow, that's the first show." I, I didn't think like I wanted to, like I didn't think, "Oh man, like I want to do that for a living." But I thought, "Wow, that's a job. That's cool," you know, because I was a little kid. Yeah. Um, but the first time I heard that Clash record, I was like, "Oh, this is what I'm going to do with my life. That's cool." Like That's it awesome. just like it immediately spoke to me. Um, probably uh, my aim is true. That Elvis Costello record. Yeah, uh, that was a big one for me. He's an incredible songwriter, and uh, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a ska guy too. So there were little bits of ska and reggae and some of his music that mm-hmm. were cool. Um, oh man, I'm trying to think. I'm kind of glad you put me on the spot because I was like, oh, this is a casual fun interview with no stress <laughs> yeah get to work yeah exactly um probably don't try this at home the billy bragg record oh, okay yeah um i mean that guy is such an inspirational songwriter he's so like motivated and what i love about his songs is that you kind of have to google a little bit mm-hmm. like his lyrics are so good and so smart and he makes a bunch of cool references like um on our new record we have a song called battery street that i wrote about the homeless epidemic in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, or around the United States in general, but yeah. just specifically from my view. And I quoted a uh, Woody Guthrie in that song. And I actually got inspired to do that by listening to some of the references to Woody Guthrie that Billy Bragg makes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, man, such an incredible songwriter. I'm trying to think of what Lord. else probably, Oh gosh, you're killing me right now. Um, Man, this one's gonna lose me some cool points. Probably Trace, which is by a band called an album by a band called Sunvolt. Okay, yeah, isn't that kind of like uh, alt country or? Yeah, Jay Farrar, who was in Uncle Tupelo. Oh, okay, yeah, and that uh, that's a big one for me. That one, as far as like a songwriter, 
that song or that album has so many songs where I feel like I could see where that guy was at that time when he wrote it. Mm-hmm. And that inspires me to kind of do the same thing. I like people to be able to listen to my songs and go, oh, I totally relate with that guy, even though I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a great job on that album. Nice, dude. All right. I'm going to have to check those out. To be honest, uh, the only Billy Bragg album I have is the Talking with Tax Man about poetry. Um, but I'm going to have to oh, check out cool. the other. Yeah. I mean, there, there's plenty, there's so much good stuff by that guy. I mean, he inspired so many songwriters. Like uh, Frank Turner played Wembley Stadium and had Billy Bragg open for him not too long ago. Whoa. Yeah, it's crazy. That's wild. <laughs> uh, right on, man. Well, I got one last question, and this is a question that we like to ask. And I feel like you might have a good answer to this. So pick a scar on your body and tell us a story of how you got it. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so I was actually just telling the story to my wife the other day. We were talking about it. Um, I have a scar under my left eye. Uh-huh. It's like a, like a straight scar. Um, when I was five years old, uh-huh. I was playing soccer and uh, I went in to get the ball from another player and he put his head down and he hit me right in like my cheekbone and it cut me open. Oh, and I went and got some stitches. Excuse me. I went and got some stitches Uh and, uh, I wasn't necessarily that, uh, manly, if you will, about it. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Cause I was a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so my dad took me home and, um, two weeks later or whatever, I go to get my stitches taken out Uh and the lady is like, all right, this might hurt. And as she's taking my stitches out, I looked at my dad and was like, this doesn't hurt. My dad was like, really? And I was like, yeah, this doesn't hurt at all. And so, like, my dad takes me to get ice cream afterwards. And um, I'm like, you know what, Dad? Like, I feel pretty good about how it didn't hurt me today, you know? And I'm like a little kid. And yeah. my dad's like, all right, whatever, dude. So that night, I my dad's in the living room. I walk from my bedroom into the living room. And I'm like, Dad, I got my stitches taken out today. It didn't bother me. I think it's time to take the railing off the side of my bed. Yes. And he was like, what? And I was like, yep, I don't need it anymore. I'm tough. We can take the railing off the side of my bed. And my dad's like, are you sure? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, no problem. So my dad takes the railing off the side of my bed. Uh, We go to bed that night. My dad wakes up at like four in the morning to me screaming. Because I... I rolled off the side of my bed and I reopened the same cut. Oh. So I had to go back at four in the morning to get stitches again. So that scar is like super prominent because I reopened it again. And I bet your ass, I bet your ass you weren't that tough the second time. No, and my dad, put, <laughs> my dad put the railing back on just to like teach me a lesson. Uh. <laughs> god damn good times man good memories uh so this is uh this is rev he's in a band called the drowns and you can check him out uh the drowns.bandcamp.com uh the new album is called under tension uh when the world isn't all let's assume that they're going to go out on tour and, and maybe play a show here in seattle but I'll, I'll keep you updated on that and, and maybe in the future i can actually have you up to the radio station I would love that, man. And real quick, before we wrap up, uh, I mean, I, I feel like nobody really points this out, but I've known you for a good time now. I mean, probably 15 years. I, uh, I think so, yeah. I'm so stoked that you get to do what you were trying to do and you've achieved. Like, it's pretty incredible the level that you've gotten to and everything you've gotten to do. And also, like, thank you for giving folks like me a platform to talk. That's huge, man. Dude, I appreciate that, man. Thank you very much, man. And and uh, I do what I can, and and uh, it's folks like you that keep me sane too. So we got to come together. We got to stay connected during all this crazy. Dude, I appreciate the compliment, man. I really do. And uh, we have been together since the KGRG days. So yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, we're gonna end with a couple songs here. We got Wolves on the Throne and Battery Street. Uh, any final words from you, dude? Uh, nah, man. Just I hope everybody keeps stay. Try to stay positive. I know it's such a cliche thing to say, but the negativity can really take you down a rabbit hole on a situation like this where you have to stay home and you have yeah. to be alone. So uh, if everyone can try to keep their chin up, I'm sure we'll get back to life as uh, as we knew it not too long from now.
invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch visit your local T-Mobile store today plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary